Westlop Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. We are well into the summer and it is now time for our summer previews to uh, get in gear. Uh, we're going to go ahead and talk about Maryland this week as they are one of the four Big Ten teams Northwestern does not play this year. Uh, so quick look at the Maryland Terrapins. Um, bit of a rough season last year. Uh, they're DJ Durkin kind of trying to get things rolling, bit of an injury bug. As far as the defense of the Terps, John, what are we looking at? Well, I'm sure, and Scuzz, I'm sure, is going to talk about this in a little bit, but for all the talk about Maryland's quarterback injury house of horrors last year, not much attention has been paid to just how crappy Maryland was on defense in 2017. Um, admittedly, expectations were very low in this department, but the Terps managed to completely submarine them finishing with what was arguably the worst defense in the Big Ten in 2017. The simplest way to explain things is that the Terps' best defensive player, defensive end Jesse Annie Bonham, was lost for the year in the first game of the season. This was a big issue because Maryland's entire hopes were pinned up front because they were fielding the worst secondary in the conference, and that did not change. Maryland managed the ninth-rated pass defense in the conference in 2016 because they could sometimes get to the quarterback. This year, they had 12 team sacks. Only two players had more than two sacks, and no one had more than three. The secondary probably performed marginally better in terms of interceptions, but they still couldn't cover. And you add in the fact that this 3-4 scheme wasn't exactly great at defending the run to begin with, and the bottom totally fell out for the Terrapins. This was the 12th rated unit in 2017 against both the pass and the run in the Big Ten, and the worst scoring defense in the conference. So, how do things look in 2018? Well, Anna Bonham should hopefully be back, which gives Maryland some hope. But Maryland loses Jermaine Carter, who was last year's top defensive lineman. At linebacker, uh, Maryland probably returns their best player other than Anna Bonham, who is Antoine Brooks. He's a great athlete. He had nine and a half tackles for lost last year. The Terps also bring in a uh, grad transfer from Illinois, Trey Watson, who we know is pretty decent. The secondary, though, continues to be a disaster. Maryland brought in a grad transfer from Florida State, Marcus Lewis, um, who didn't really do much at FSU, but almost immediately becomes the top pass defender at Maryland just by default. Opposite him is Tino Ellis, who's a converted wide receiver, who's basically back there just because Maryland's willing to try anything in their secondary. Um, Darnell Savage is a safety. He's so-so. That really isn't saying much. Um, just like we said in 2017, this is a not bad group at linebacker when they're healthy. If you look at Brooks and Watson as two of your four linebackers, but God help this group if anyone gets hurt. Um, and keep in mind, we steamrolled Maryland on the ground last year, and that was supposed to be the less crappy area of their defense. So as a whole, I mean, they're in the basement now. This unit will probably improve slightly if Anna Bonham stays healthy thanks to the incoming grad transfers. If he doesn't, though, Maryland could be right back in the cellar again. Askuz, offensively, I mean, what what can you say as, as far as the rotating quarterback carousel uh, where everyone gets hurt um 
How, how does that look for this year? Groundhog Day is still just once a year, right? <laughs> that's uh, that's my my quasi movie theme for for Maryland this year. Uh, I'll be doing I'll be doing some I'll be trying to come up with something kitschy for most of my uh, my previews this year. But yeah, they just this quarterback situation has just been a disaster for them for year after year after year. They have crazy injury uh, mania at that position. Do you guys remember the nightmare home opener uh, to the 2002 Northwestern season? Starting starting QB, Brett Bazinet gets injured. Tony Staus comes in and looks completely ineffective. The Cats finally get the ball moving with Andrew Webb, who then promptly gets his liver lacerated on a sandwich tackle. I think I've suppressed these memories. <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, it was the week after we lost, like, 52-3 to at Air Force. But um, regardless, like, Maryland experienced something even worse than that last season. So first, super transfer uh, Caleb Henderson, who came from North Carolina, he was like a top 10 QB recruit. He breaks his foot in fall camp. Then, while leading an upset of the Texas Longhorns in the opening uh, game of the season, Tyrell Pigrome blows out his ACL in the third quarter. Uh, backup Kaysom Hill, who was a former NU recruiting target. We've talked about him a lot on this podcast. He has two epic drives to preserve the win. And then he blows out his ACL in the first quarter of the next game. This leaves the offense in the hands of Max Bortenschlager, uh, who eventually later in the season was also injured and gave way to a walk-on, uh, who I think played against Michigan. And this is like the third year that Maryland has suffered a story like this at QB. They had a linebacker that played uh, the position, what, two seasons ago or yeah, two seasons ago? Yeah, two or three Yeah, I, I remember that clearly. Linebacker QB. It's just been a disaster, which is which is crazy because DJ Durkin has recruited so well for this team and they should be doing much better. They've also had ridiculous talent at wide receiver the last few years um, going to the NFL, uh, Stephon Diggs, uh, DJ Moore, etc. So uh, this next season, you know, it, it feels to me like they should, injury madness aside, they should be better. Uh, all but Caleb Henderson are back in, in, in the quarterback position. They seem to have a ton of options. Uh, I think Kasim Hill is the most talented. I would say don't count Pigrome out just because he's had, you know, a little bit more playing time. Um, Bortenschlager, who who played the majority of last season, just has not shown the ability to connect on enough passes. His his completion percentage was was just above fifty percent. But it seems kind of crazy to think that he wouldn't play at some point given the injury history. Um, the drawback is that, and I mentioned his name a second ago, DJ Moore is gone. The dude was fantastic for Maryland. Uh, he's the number one or number two receiver for the last three years, and he is uh, in the NFL. Tavon Jacobs is their top returner, but he's more of a slot guy. Uh, Moore was kind of like a do-everything type player. He could go downfield. He could cut across the middle, etc. cetera. Uh, and it's interesting. This is like the one position on offense where DJ Durkin has not recruited really, really well. Uh, they do have an incoming transfer, Rashad Lewis, who is Ray Lewis's son. Uh, Wait, transfer- what? Yep, uh, transferring in from Utah State, and he'll be eligible finally this year. But he did not really put up good numbers uh, as a freshman at Utah State, so who knows. Um, I think Maryland's going to be just fine, though, because the dynamic running back duo of Ty Johnson and Lorenzo Harrison are back. Uh, And if they can get any boost from the QBs this year, which would be hard to not get given what happened last season, um, they should be pretty darn good. They They were phenomenal two seasons ago dropped off a little bit last year but uh, i think they should be back to form this season they're joined by anthony mcfarland who was a top 10 running back recruit he sat out as a red shirt last season 
so this this group is stacked and extremely talented and versatile. They're also going to benefit from a great O-line. Uh, the O-line at Maryland is deep, talented, experienced. It's It's been Durkin's best recruiting job. The three deep is littered with high-end prospects, and uh, all five starters are back. So all those things combined, it feels like a pretty good uh, offensive recipe. They also have off- offensive coordinator du jour in Matt Canada, who's coming over from LSU. Now, he did not look so great in uh, Baton Rouge last season, but if they can settle on a QB and stay healthy, I think this team should absolutely be bullying again, though I think anything more than bull eligibility, i.e. six wins, would be pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, you you look at the schedule uh, for Maryland this year, open up at home against Texas. I, I'm sure Texas is going to be trying to avenge uh, that loss down in Austin last year. Uh, they travel to Bowling Green before coming home uh, to play Temple. They get the Big Ten opener with Minnesota. Uh, then they have their bye week. Then they're at Michigan, home for Rutgers, at Iowa, home for Illinois, uh, home for Michigan State, at Indiana, home for Ohio State, at Penn State. Uh, so the end of their schedule is brutal. Um, you got to Im- imagine Texas is going to be coming in pretty hot. And, you know, it's the Big Ten East, which, you know, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, are all going to be better than them. Um, they do kind of, I don't know if luck out, but you know, Illinois and Minnesota, uh, we'll, we'll talk about them in other pods uh, coming up, but you know, those aren't necessarily the, the cream of the West and Iowa is probably going to be Iowa. You know, we, we all know what Iowa is. So, I mean, it, it's, it's hard, you know, it's hard for me to really kind of look through this and, and find six wins personally, but you know it is possible. Oh, so, I think you could find six wins. It's, I just that seven is elusive. So it's it's funny because I it kind of feels like Maryland has kind of inherited Indiana's mantle of the only team in the Big Ten who is playing all offense, no defense football, and it's so it's kind of hard to project that against all the other teams on their conference because they're going to play. I mean, in the case of Michigan and Michigan State, you're talking about heading up against two teams with offensive issues who are just so good on defense and specifically so good against the run. So it's like, because it sounds like Scuzz is is saying that this looks like a strong offense overall, but it's kind of going to be, they're going to try to gear it around running the football. Um, So I don't know. It's just so weird because I, they're going to be trying to play track meet football um, with talent only on one side of the ball because they don't have it on the defensive side of the ball. And um, it's funny because Scuzz said Groundhog Day. It was either last year or the year before the Terps had that soft start to their schedule and ran off like a good starting record and people were kind of talking about them. We were like, all right, just hang on. Howard, FIU, right. Central Florida, Purdue. They were 4-0. Right. right, and I mean like Bowling Green Temple in Minnesota, those are wins. I mean if somehow they pulled off a, a, another upset of Texas, two wins over Texas in two years seems like a tall order. But – if they somehow did it, I guess a 4-0 start. But uh, the back half of this schedule, I mean, Rutgers in Illinois, those are friendly games, both at home. Um, I don't see them winning a game in the last four games of their schedule. You don't um, think they win at Indiana? That's I win six. I don't know. 
Um, I'm I'm looking at Bill Connolly's uh, S&P Plus rankings, and granted, it is well before the season, but um, at at this point, you know, he's only given them a 36% chance to uh, beat Indiana. Oh, boy. So, I mean, I I see five sure losses on the schedule, and I I cop, as I'm sure both of you guys do, to not having too much of a handle on exactly where Texas is going into 2018, but... I'm not exactly going to chalk that up as a W for Maryland. So, yeah, I, again, they're going to play fun football this year because it sounds like Scuzz says they got a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball, not much talent on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and they're they're going to, you know, try to run around and play some high-scoring games. I don't know how that's going to play in the conference, but they could certainly beat Bowling Green, Temple, Minnesota, Illinois, and Rutgers in track meet football. So, yeah, I mean, I – you, you don't have to work too hard to talk me into this team getting up to at least five wins, but uh, six. I mean, la- la- last year they had like a like a close loss at Rutgers, and they I mean they got nothing from the quarterback position. Bordenschlager yeah. was fifty two percent completion, ten TDs, five picks. He was thirteen hundred yards on two hundred and thirty three attempts, and it That's would be, horrific. It would be hard for the defense to be worse. So, I mean, you could project that there's an improvement on both sides of the ball. I mean, I don't think that, that it's going to be some miracle thing. But I think I, I think we – it seems like we're all agreeing. Like, the ceiling has to be, like, seven wins, right? Like, they can't – I don't think they can do better than seven and five. Well, I, yeah. I mean, like, the, the question is, can they beat anyone in the top half of the division? I do just, you see I mean, them beating Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, no, or Penn State? No. Maybe Michigan State at home. I, like I could, I could see something like that happening. Strange, um, stranger it, things have happened. Sure, it was. Yep. It was again like other Michigan pods. State is is it's the week before Michigan State plays Ohio State. It's uh, the week. So Michigan, just real I, quick, Michigan State's back half schedule at Penn State, Michigan at home, Purdue at home, at Maryland, Ohio State at Nebraska, and again that's, that's brutal. Well, well, not to step on the Michigan State pod too much, but let's just say. Michigan State is very well equipped to deal with the things that Maryland does well, and that's that's going to be a, that's going to be a problem for them. Um, so, um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, again, like uh, the ceiling for this team is mediocrity for sure, um, and the floor. So I'd say somewhere between five, six, seven wins. We think kind of what this feels like. I I'm looking at five and seven, and that that's just you know looking at it right now. Oh, I'm I'm optimistic. I definitely give this team six and six. I'm I'm optimistic. I I can't see Indiana, Illinois, Rutgers, or Minnesota uh, knocking them off. I'll give them, I'll give them six and six. I'll say the track meet gets them to six and six. Well, that'll just about wrap it up for the Maryland preview. Uh, head to our you can always head to our website westlawpirates.com where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter at Westlaw Pirates. You can call our voicemail line 847-231-2287. That's 847-231-CATS. And email the show westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the Westlaw Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skousby and Sam Walter, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. 